All right, everybody. Welcome back to the eHunter podcast. We are back again. I have Seth on the line with me again. What's up, Seth? What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing really good. How are you doing? Oh, not too bad. Pretty good. I'm excited to uh, move to Utah and have you come down and do these things in person. <laughs> like every week, right? You're, you're going to come down That's every fine. week to do it, my, right? My, yeah, my wife would have no problem with that, me being <laughs> gone constantly. I, I don't see an issue. Uh, you just need to move to southern Utah. Yes. That would be that would be awesome. When you move back, you find me a job. Hey. Let me know and and we'll we'll discuss. And then I can stay at your house until yep. I work long enough that mm-hmm. they let me buy a house down there. I'm good with that. <laughs> I'm good with all that. I'll ask my wife. <laughs> nice. Oh shoot. Well good, man. Well, um, we're back again uh, with a podcast for you guys. It's going to be another Shooting the Bull podcast. Uh, we're really enjoying these, and it sounds like uh, most everybody's enjoying these as well from uh, the feedback that we're getting. Um, before we get any shout do you have any shout-out? Wow. Let me start over with that. Holy cow. Before we get to it, Seth, do you have any shout-outs for anybody tonight? Um, Just Vortex. Sponsor everything that we do. Yeah. Yep. Got to thank Vortex. Um yeah, I'm, we talked a little bit about their new scope last time, um, but yeah, just excited about some of the other new stuff they have coming out this year. Stay tuned um, for that, but do appreciate them. They're awesome. Um, all right, well, let's jump into it. So tonight, we're going to talk, I would say tonight, because we record these things tonight at, at nighttime, but you guys may be listening to this at any time during the day, but um, we're going to share a, a few stories with you guys, and like I said, it sounds like most everybody's really enjoying these stories at least from the comments that I've been getting. Um, but tonight we're going to talk about uh, the ones that got away. So this one might be a little bit of a heartbreaking episode. And as I, was, I thought about these uh, events in my life, in my life of when the ones, of the, wow, of the ones that got away. I'm struggling tonight, man. Holy cow. I need more <laughs> caffeine or something. Jeez, where's a monster at when you need it? <laughs> but it made me all sad when I started thinking about these ones that are uh, the ones that got away because, man, they were kind of gut-wrenching. So, um, But excited to share these stories with you, and I know that a lot of you guys out there have had these experiences, and uh, hopefully um, you can kind of relate with, with some of these stories. So, Seth, I'm going to turn it over to you to kick it off. Why don't you share uh, an experience that you've had where one got away? Okay, well, we will... We will go with my 2019 CWMU unit uh, deer hunt. In so we'll just get right into it. I drew the tag. Um, the area I drew for was a large section of private land um, that was kind of a mixture of sagebrush, cedars, and, and agricultural fields. Um, the deer would kind of move back and forth between, you know, feed zones, sleep zones. They'd water on the property. There was multiple ponds. Um, anyways, only a five-day hunt, but the CWMU program allows you to hunt in early November. So hunting bucks in November was really, really cool. Um, so second morning there first morning or i guess first day in general was was fairly quiet saw a few bucks nothing i was really excited to uh shoot or anything like that um and second morning right at daylight um driving uh to a point to glass and as we did that a pretty nice buck crossed the road directly in front of us just at light um 
really nice buck on you know a public or a general season unit but was just a little spindly and didn't have great forks so i i kind of uh, decided to let him walk i could have shot shot him standing on the dirt road 15 yards off the road but i i let him go but as he left um we noticed there were more deer in the field he had crossed to um we threw our binoculars up started glassing three or four does and then all of a sudden this rack sweeps up out of the the ag field so it was weird they had cut most of it but there was a section they had left tall and so for the most part if if the deer had their heads down you could barely see their backs um but once they lifted their head you could see what they were um this rack swings up out of the uh the ag field growth there and i just knew instantly i'm like that is a buck i want to take no questions asked Um, not super wide um and he was actually only a three point on the one side but just the math was was just incredible i mean probably one of the heaviest deer i've ever seen you know out and about hunting especially with with a tag and, and a gun in hand um he was out there, and, and, and these pivots are so big. He was out there about 750, um, and you know, and I know there's plenty of people that can make that shot, but me personally, I didn't feel comfortable <laughs> at that distance. Um, and so we just we just kind of watched him, and I got a pretty good feel for him. Really heavy, big eye guards, about 23, 24 inches wide, just a nice squared up, heavy, heavy buck. Um, and I had my heart set on him, man. I was like, well, this is what we're hunting until we get him. Um, and so me and my old man, my dad, are kind of talking what we should do to try to get on him, see what he does, maybe he lays down in that stuff, you know, coming up with a game plan. And about that time, he just leaves these six or seven does he was with and just starts walking slowly um, t- towards the south. Well, we're right at this edge of the field and he's almost kind of walking he's not walking to us but he's walking kind of towards us um and me and my old man are like well he's gonna cross this road because there, there was a little tiny like feed access road that the the cattlemen used to to access that hayfield um and the sagebrush on it was really tall like taller than i am um and it that sagebrush ran down that road for I don't know, three or 400 yards. Mm-hmm. And both me and my old man are like, just crouch. And we were both like, well, I'll just crouch down and run down this road and cut him off. And so I start run shuffling, you know, bent over so he can't see me uh, hustling down the, the line. And, and every step I got, I'm like, holy crap, this is going to work. He's, he's coming. It's going to, we're going to meet. This is going to be perfect. Um, so, I get to the last big sagebrush and squat down and poke my head out and, and range find him. And he was 266. And I was like, I was like, this is, this is done. My hunt's done. This is is game over. Um, so I take my rifle and I, I stand up and put it on the fence post. It was a nice metal. It was a metal fence post, but right at the top, they had like this weird, piece that was whole i shouldn't call it weird but it was a piece holding the wires in place so it kind of created an even better platform it wasn't a dead dead rest but i couldn't have asked for much better um put the gun on the fence post lined it up i 
it's, uh, you know, talking through myself, squeeze about right there. And I shot, and I don't, to this day, I don't know the real cause of it. I don't feel like I had buck fever at that point. Um, but for whatever reason, I shot ridiculously high. <laughs> like high enough, my old man back behind me watching thought I had went through him. Like, thought the bullet went through him and kicked up dust on the backside. Oh, uh-huh. Um, and this kind of, I don't know, this is kind of where everything falls apart. So I, I shoot, and for a brief moment, he just kind of stood there because I was so far off. He didn't know what, what happened. Um, I was shooting a, a Ruger M77, and I've never had an issue, ever. Um, but when I pulled that trigger... For whatever reason, the floor plate, you know, it has a drop mm-hmm. clip. Yeah. The floor plate opened, and all my bullets fell on the ground. Um, so now Gosh. I have no bullets to reload, and he's standing <laughs> there. So I'm digging around in the grass and the dirt of the road, and I'm, I'm just trying to slam shells in it, and then he takes off. Um, he, I tried to a shot. He was going up a wash, and I tried to shot, and I don't, a bullet hit way behind him. I was like, this gun's off. I've done something. You know, I bumped the scope. So anyways, he he goes just screaming at that point after that second shot. He was kind of trotting, and, and then he put it into hyperdrive, and I think he probably ran three counties over because um, <laughs> he was just getting out of town. Um, and so I was so flabbergasted. I'm like, well, I, I, a guy could miss, but I'm like, I couldn't have asked for anything pretty much better. I'm like, how do I miss that shot? So... I was really beating up myself, and so, like, you know, I come walking back to my dad, and he's like, what the freak happened? Why were you digging around on the ground? Why didn't you shoot him a second time while he was standing there? You know, all these questions. And yeah. I dropped all the freaking bullets on the ground. He said, what are you talking about? So we started talking about it and started inspecting the gun. And, and let's be honest, I, I had shot the gun three weeks prior in Idaho, killed the deer with it, shot fine, mm-hmm. didn't really have any issues. Shot it right before we went on the hunt. No issues. I, I don't know why this did this. But anyways, it dumped all these bolts on the ground. So we start looking at it, and there's a screw up in there, a set screw, mm-hmm. and it was pretty loose. So we adjusted the floor plate, tightened it up tight, called the landowner, said, hey, is there a place we can shoot safely? You don't want to you know, be shooting around your farmhands unless we're hunting. He brought us down to their range, shot it, dead on working fine floor plates tight everything was fine so i just for the ne- the rest of the hunt i just went through i almost kind of had a uh, paralysis by analysis yeah I, I didn't want to shoot anything at distance I, I didn't have any confidence in the gun i didn't have any confidence in myself um and actually what got me out of that funk we'll we'll jump onto that in just a second but anyways at the end of the hunt everything went well i was talking to my uncle about it and he has a ton of Rugers, does a ton of work on them. And he may have just been trying to make me feel better, but <laughs> he claimed that if that set screw is loose, that actually doesn't allow the barrel to be floated properly. And so oh. he believes that that gun did that. And I was so far off because that set screw was loose, which all comes back to our podcast last week of check your gear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> But wow. um, but you would think so it was just right. fine though if you I mean you just recently had shot it everything was well right. so I mean right. you so thought your gear was good 
Yeah, and it loosened. And the only thing I can figure is it loosened in the trip to Idaho. And I'll be honest, when I did shoot it the week before the hunt, I was sitting on a, a dead rest with the floor plate on something hard. Uh-huh. So the floor plate could not open. So had I, you know, put it in an actual vise where the floor plate was exposed, it may have dropped and I may have been able to fix that mm. prior to the hunt. Um, but, yeah, what got me out of that funk is uh, the second to last day we were driving back to our Airbnb. Yeah, I know. We talked about that in the, in the <laughs> podcast last week. We were driving back to the Airbnb, and the landowner had told us, he says, you know, you obviously have a deer tag. You can only take one of those, but prairie dogs and coyotes are, are fair game. If you have a shotgun and you want to shoot some ducks, they're fair game. He was very accommodating. Um, we were cruising back to the Airbnb, and we were still on his property, and my one buddy's hunting with us. Like, there's a coyote, there's a coyote, and it was running out through this open country, and it was a small dog. It was a young coyote. It was, yeah, like just probably on its first you know, time away from mm-hmm. mom. And I skid the truck to the stop, grab the gun, put a bullet in it, pull up, and he's running. And I know how far he is because we ranged where he fell, but he was 206 running. And shot one hit, bang, right behind the front shoulder, nice. folded him up. And all my buddies, my dad, everyone's like, how do you miss it here at 260 standing broadside? But you, you know, shoot a coyote on the dead freaking run. I'm like, not thinking about it no <laughs> yep. worry of a big buck or just just it's just a coyote yep so anyways that kind of got me out of the phone because like all right i shot the rifle at the range it hit on i can hit a critter with it and so i still ended up taking a really nice buck um but he he still will never haunt my dreams but <laughs> even if i wouldn't have taken this other buck he he wouldn't have haunted my dreams like this with this three by four oh man still does <laughs> <laughs> they all do those yeah. all those uh Ones that got away always seem to haunt you. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. That's crazy, though. Gosh, if that does make sense, though, with that set screw coming loose. With right. The, you know, it does change the float of the barrel. I mean, that that makes sense. So, yep. golly. Oh, man. Well, that makes me all sad. I'm all, this still, is, is going to be hurts, a... Still hurts my heart. But yeah, this is going to be a you sad can blame episode. It on, at least I can blame it on the technical failure instead of myself missing something at 260 that was the size of a it was a big alfalfa fed deer man he'd been living there all year he was the size of a freaking heifer out there and i still missed him <laughs> yeah well, I, don't, I don't have a good excuse for missing my my first story mine uh oh man so this was i'll, I'll i'm jumping i'll jump right into mine um yeah. it was my last deer hunt rifle deer hunt in utah before i moved out here out to colorado and um so the way that I used to hunt when I lived in Utah was that I would pretty much just beat the mountains. I'd just put boot tracks down and just jump something up and shoot it. That's pretty much the way that I hunted. It's the way my grandpa hunted. It's just kind of the way that I – the only really way I knew how. I've learned better now. I like to glass now and actually, you know, do things the right way. But um, if you were killing them, there's no real right way. <laughs> that's exactly it. That's and that's kind of what I – well <laughs> – I was killing them, but I was also killing myself, man. I was, I was beat. You know, every every single hunt, I'm like, man, this is this is hard. So I've kind of learned that work smarter, not harder way of hunting. But um, yeah, so I was I was way back up in some mountain a mountain range. I know very well, but I'd never really been this far up 
into the mountain range. Um, it was a really hot summer, well, hot fall. Uh, the hunt in Utah is on October. And uh, so really warm. And I thought, well, if they're going to be anywhere, they're going to be high. So I, I went to the top of this mountain and just kind of did what I always do. I started just hiking. I'd find a, a deer trail and I would hike that trail. And I was all by myself. Uh, my father-in-law was hunting with me. Um, he uh, he had some some physical issues and wasn't able to go hunt like that. So he was he was cruising around in his jeep while I was doing this. He kind of dropped me off at a, a nice spot that I could do this. Anyway, so I was all by myself, just walking these um, these deer trails, and uh, got to the well about three fourths the way up the mountain. Then I started just crossing the mountain range and you know just going from draw to draw. Um, figured I'd you know find something in one of these draws, and every time I crest over I'd kind of you know spend a little time look through the draw pull out my binoculars and then I keep walking and I would actually jumped up a, a couple does here and there and I thought well you know if I'm jumping up does this is, this is where they got to be so you know hopefully eventually I'll I'll jump up a buck well I got to this one draw and I could see this this spot and I, I'm kicking myself because I didn't really spend the time to glass this spot um but I could see this little rock outcropping and then a lot of green um, bushes around it. I'm like, well, you know, in this area, if there's green around it like that, it's got to be a spring, you know. And I, I'll guarantee if I would have sat there and really spent the time to look, I probably would have picked up on some part of an animal. <laughs> but I didn't. That's just not what I did back in the day. And so I just I did what I did. And I took off and started walking right towards that. Um, I, I could see the trail that I was going to take led and it was, it, it went just a little bit to the left of where that was at. And so I kept my eyes on it, but I also kept looking everywhere else in case, you know, there was just something around working its way into there. I wasn't sure if there was any water in the spring or if it was just where the, where water came up to the surface or close to the surface where the, the plants get it. Anyways, I got over to it and I wasn't more than... 20 yards maybe 30 yards away from that spot and and I was so close to it I was like okay well if there was something there it would, it would be gone by now and so I wasn't quiet in any way shape or form and uh sure enough when I got to about that distance just crash boom bang all of a sudden this deer comes bouncing out of the the bushes that were there those green bushes like I said had I looked at those bushes thoroughly I probably would have seen it um but he comes jumping out of there and heads for the top of the that little draw, that little crest right there that was only just on the other side of him and me. And um, I, I kind of went into that killer instinct mode, which I usually do when I see an animal and it's you know it's it's time to make it happen. Um, I I threw a bullet in, pulled up, and when I looked through my scope, the reason I know that like the reason why this guy haunts me so bad is um, I looked at him in my scope just to make sure you know it was a decent buck and he was super heavy and then the thing that kills me is he had cheaters on both sides sticking out and that's that's what I, the the image that i have in my head that won't ever go away is those two cheaters kicking out both sides i don't know how wide he was i mean it, this was all in a matter of a few seconds uh, but he was just a heavy horn buck with these cheaters and i i swung around or swung my gun where i needed to be pull the trigger and usually like I said I've done this many a times do that and I and they they drop but he was in a hurry to get out of there more so than other deer that I usually do that to because probably because I was so close to him 
um, that he was he was moving out of there. Um, shot, blew the rock up that was uh, kind of by that spring where he was at. Uh, shot way over his back. I mean, it was it wasn't even close. So I'd love to say it was the gun's fault, but it was more just me in the moment. Like holy crap, those this buck has cheaters. <laughs> and uh, and then by the time I my I came back, so I shoot my seven mag. By the time the recoil came back, he was gone. And so I I rushed up over to that next ridge to see if I could see him before he got too far away, but he was nowhere to be found on the other side of that mountain. And I just, oh, man, I sat down there for a minute. I, I won't repeat the words that I said at the time because I try to keep this a pretty clean episode, but that still haunts me. That image, I can still see that image right now um, through my scope. It was it was unreal. So, dang mule deer, man. They... Uh... <laughs> They make it crazy. The thing about mule deer is they hide so well. Like, you can literally be, like, right on top of them, and then, boom, they're gone. And it's just, oh, it makes you crazy. I've been told many a times why bow hunting, I'll, I'll come back to the truck, and guy will be sitting nearby and say, hey, were you were you that kid that was just walking over there? And I'm like, yeah. You walk past a great big buck, no more than... 40 yards from you yeah I'm like don't tell me that and he's like yeah i watched him he he heard you coming and he laid his head right on, on the dirt and let you walk by and then he got up and ran the other way once you got past him wow <laughs> i'm like don't don't even tell me just let yeah. me get in my just... truck and live in ignorance man. exactly <laughs> i don't need to know that yeah just let me go oh man that's a killer see that's the thing with with mule deer hunting is they they will do that and they hide so well elk can't really do that you know so they don't don't hide like that but man I'd, I'd like to know how many deer i the way that i used to hunt i'd like to know how many deer i just walked past and never even knew they were there or they got up and just quietly snuck around you mm-hmm. and you went up on the ridge and he turned around and went back and laid right in the same bed he was laying in yep yep <laughs> exactly so that's why I've changed the way I hunt right there for that reason. I mean, I love getting up on a hill now and just glassing. I'll sit there with my tripod, my Vortex binos, and just glass. And I just, I will pick apart the hillside now. I'll be so patient with it. And at the end of the day, my legs aren't killing me from walking 15 miles. And uh, I've been more successful doing this as well. I'm, I'm making better shots. Like that shot, I mean, you know, I've killed so many deer like that. But, you know, I could have hit that deer anywhere. I could have wounded him. Um, luckily, I did see that rock blow up, so I know that I didn't hit him. But still, it could have been a whole lot worse. And now I, I feel I feel more ethical in my hunting nowadays. Right. I mean, I've got I've got some family. They don't they don't just wander kind of like you, but uh, I've got a couple family members that they drive around on the ATV until they cut a big deer track. They don't even know, like what buck it is or they just know it's big because it's a most likely a buck if it's big and then they just get on that track and they follow it until they catch up to him wow they've, they've killed some really nice bucks doing that but they just basically dog them just hey. walk and walk and walk until they they catch up to him so you know what? i didn't even really mind the walking it was just more of the situation once you did jump right. that that animal right. up they're on the yeah, they're on the go. They're they're doing everything they can to get away from you. It's definitely reactionary, but you know sometimes that's the most some of the best shots you can make. Sometimes is just not thinking about it too. It is, and I feel better about those shots when I'm not thinking about it. As far as 
like actually killing something because like that killer instinct just gets in there but uh when you can sit down and you know you you range that animal at whatever yardage whatever you're comfortable with you can dial your scope in check the wind it's such it's more of an ethical shot the bad thing about it like you said it doesn't give you time to think about it and that's not always a good thing either but right yeah shoot what else you got you got another one for us yeah, so this one's kind of different in that I I never even actually got a shot at him. So um, back in 2011, I drew a limited entry deer tag, um, and I wanted to put in for the archery permit for this particular unit. Um, but right around application time, I found out that my wife was pregnant and the baby was pretty much due on opening weekend of the oh, bow hunt. Oh, Seth. Oh, so, Seth. I, what can I say, dude? It gets cold in the winter. All my all my kids are from winter babies. Um, um, so I decided, you know what? I'll just put him for muzzleloader. I, I won't draw it because I, I didn't have 100% chance. I had like a 40, 60 or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like, I won't draw it. And then next year, I'll put him for the bow hunt. Um, well... I drew with muzzleloader. Of course. So, I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> not exactly the weapon I wanted, but a great unit. So I started scouting, you know, all summer, obviously, but we really started scouting late July, early August, just before the bow hunt. Um, and we went up into the very top of this one canyon, um, and the canyon was called Ott's canyon so o-t-t-s uh-huh. um and so we ended up naming the buck that we found in this canyon Ots, or at least i did i spent a lot of time on that hill looking at him um so this mountain on the one side it was just a normal looking ridge and then on the side i was looking on had this like 30 to 40 foot almost like cliffy tabletop that tapered at the end and there was about 10 or 12 cedars with a huge boulder. Um, the first day I seen him, he was with four other bucks and it was in the morning and what they would do almost, well, every morning I seen them pretty much. They would come up out of the bottom of this Canyon or about halfway up the Ridge. There was a little steep. Um, they would get a drink I'm assuming. And then I would catch them coming out of that Canyon. They would work their way down that tabletop and then almost exclusively they would bed in those, 10 or 12 cedars with the big boulder um and so this buck was i mean you couldn't ask for much more he probably wasn't 30 inches wide i I guessed him at 28 um solid mass beautiful forks just a perfect four point no cheaters great forks front and back uh the the real thing that got me really excited about him is he had great big eye guards like four five inch eye guards um and I'm like, and the whole time I'm watching him every every day, all through the month of August, even into the bow hunt. Like I was up there scouting while other guys were hunting. No one ever bothered him. Um, I was like, I'm gonna kill this deer. I'm like, opening day, I'm gonna sit right there on that cliff face and let him walk right down, and it's gonna be game over. Um, and so, muzzleloader hunt in utah starts in the tail end of september usually like the 27th or the 28th of september um 
it got to be September 16th, and that was the last day I ever saw him. Oh, man. He was right there that morning, and then the following couple days. And that's the thing is, at that point, the bow hunt was over. So no one killed this deer. Like, it wasn't that a bow hunter beat me to him. Um, so the, the following weekend, I went out, and all so there's four total bucks, him and his three little cronies. And I shouldn't say they were little. The one buck was actually pretty nice. Um, they were all gone except the one buck that was the, the pretty nice buck that was with him stayed in that canyon the whole time. He was a three by four, uh, not super big, but a, a decent buck. Uh, that buck stayed there the whole time. The other three, I don't know where they went. The big one, obviously. Um, and we, I mean, we covered so much ground, checking canyons next door, multiple canyons away. Um, what I think actually happened is the backside of that ridge down lower in elevation is a huge chunk of private with a spring. And I think it was probably just his normal migration or something around that time of year to protect himself. He just dropped into that thick cover and went and lived by that spring on the private and no one ever bothered him. He was, his eye guards and stuff were unique enough, just great big. I feel like as much time as I talk to people and, and being out there, um, if someone would have got him in the rifle or the muzzleloader hunt, I would have seen a picture of him and I just never saw anything like him, especially in 2011. I don't think I ever saw anything from them guys out there in 2012 either, but uh, just a beautiful, I mean, just the prototypical big four point, you know, talking 180 class four point, 185, just a beautiful buck. And yeah, even, never even got to look down the barrel of a gun at him or a side of a bow or anything else. I really wish I'd had a bow tag that year. Because <laughs> <laughs> all through the bow hunt, he he was in the same spot pretty much every day. Which is so weird because, I mean, well, mule deer are so patternable, you know. Like you would think that he would just continue to do that. So something disrupted him, you know, whether yep. that's a hunter or I don't know if it was a guy scouting like, like me. Yeah. Walked like walked right into his bedroom and, and blew him out of there. And he just said, Nope. Something uh, had to have happened like that to, for him to not and, and continue maybe, that maybe, pattern. And this is a possibility, but maybe a mountain lion killed him. I, I don't know. You know, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I, I just, just for him to ghost, I, I don't know. I mean, they are sneaky, and, and they do do some different things around that time where it, it shifts from, you know, that, that early bow hunt into the middle of September. They can get a little weird and, and go into some thicker cover and mm-hmm. be harder to pick up, but I, I don't know. I don't know what happened to him. But. Man, that's interesting. Hey, that is heartbreaking, though. When they uh, when you track I, I, I them and you do all the work. Thing. Uh, I had it all planned out in my head, man. I'm like, I'm going to have a great buck opening day. He's going to do the same thing he's always done. He sure did. Again, that's one of the things I love about mule deer hunting is, is you can do that. You you follow him. You put in the work. You, you Whether it's truck cameras, whether it's scouting, whether whatever it is, yeah, you put in that work. And usually, yeah, come opening day, pretty much have a game plan to, to really make it happen. Now, there's so many things that can change that. But if you don't mess it up too bad, then you come back the next day and pretty much have the same situation to work with again so man well i'll share one more um and this one is an elk story which is elk are not like that elk just go wherever the freak they want to go and 
do whatever they want to do. But so in Utah, and I don't know, is it still this way, Seth? If you get a if you if you buy a, an antlerless cow tag or antlerless tag for archery, can you shoot a spike with that tag? I believe so, but don't quote me exactly. But I, I still think that's a thing. Yes. Okay, because it used to be that way. Um, so I'd always buy that tag. Really, mainly looking for a, a spike and and not a cow, just because I wanted to make it a well. Bow hunting is tough, anyways, but make it a little bit tougher. Um, plus, it's always fun to kill a you know something that's uh, that's got male parts rather than girl parts. But anyways. Um, I had uh, I had bought this tag. It's an over-the-counter tag, and um, it was actually one of my first archery hunts that I'd ever done. And I uh, <clears throat> I spent a lot of time just kind of um, figuring out where they were at before the hunt, where I you know kind of planned my my attack. And I really had basically the first weekend to do this hunt, um, just because of life. And I was young at the time, so girls and things like that were you know more of a higher priority but <laughs> at any rate um i had a the first uh i think it started on a friday that first friday i had gone in where i'd seen a couple spikes before and um and found them again actually they were still in the kind of that same area and i that that first day i put two stalks on and um, didn't really get close on those ones. Uh, definitely not. Didn't really have a quote-unquote chance at, at the elk. Um, but I felt like look, my confidence was building. I was like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm getting to the point where at least where I'm in these animals and can, you know, I'm, I'm getting closer. That Saturday, I uh, that kind of went back to that same area, a little bit further south from where I was at, and. Um, I'd glassed up a, a herd, a huge herd of elk, which, as bow hunters know, a huge herd is definitely not in your advantage. Um, it's a lot of eyes looking at you, and uh, makes it a little difficult. But found this huge herd. There were three spikes in it, and I, uh, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna get serious about this, and I'm, I'm gonna sneak in there. I'm gonna go old school archery hunting, take the shoes off, really try to make this happen on a, on a spike elk, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, I was taking it very serious, um, so I did. I took my shoes off and I followed this little old creek bed, and it was it was down. If you guys have been in southern Utah, you know, um, little some of those creek beds can get pretty dang deep where the water was was running in the spring. Um, so I was down in one of those and kind of just sneaking along here and had sagebrush on both sides of the creek. So I was I was very well hidden. I was quiet. You know, it, it was sand bed, so I could. I, not only did I not have my shoes on, but I was walking on sand, so it was super quiet, and I could hear them. So I could, I got close enough that I could hear them walking around me, just on the other side of the uh, the sagebrush. And I thought, oh man, now what am I going to do? You know, I can't really. If I climb out of this, I'm going to make a lot of noise, and and they're going to go running. Um, so I kind of sat there for a minute. I could hear them getting a little bit closer, a little bit closer, um, and then it got really silent, like really quiet. So I was like freak do they they couldn't have run or I would have heard them and so I uh I kind of snuck up the the creek bed or the creek bank there um up to one of the sagebrush which I felt like I could hide behind and I did I was hiding pretty well behind that and I'm sitting there and I pop out and I look above the sagebrush and, and I can see a few cows way in the distance um 
I was like, where, where is all, where are all the other elk at? Where's the, the spikes at that I, I wanted? I turn around and on the other side of the creek bed, like literally, I mean, maybe like, gosh, 15 feet away from me is this spike just staring at me. And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and you guys know, I mean, you know, Seth, at that point you're kind of screwed. You're like, well, <laughs> what do I do? So I sat there really still and I, I just slowly but surely kept turning my bow and I knew as soon as I went to draw back that he was going to be gone. But I turned and turned and turned, just slowly took me, felt like an eternity, but it was probably only like about two minutes it took me to turn to where he was at. And he was just sitting there just staring at me. You know, it's a spike, so they're young. If this would have been a big bull, he'd have been gone the second he saw me come out of that creek bed. But um, And then as soon as I went to draw back, boom, he was gone, and he took every single elk that was with him. There had to have been at least 30 elk in that herd and they were just like I mean dust was going everywhere all I could see was just a cloud of dust and they were gone oh man had I come up on the other side or had I been a little bit more patient or I don't know made a few different decisions I probably could have got to a point where either I got ahead of them before they got to that point or if I would have popped up a little bit early out of the creek bed I could have got a shot off on them um, but it just worked out that I popped up right where he was sitting at and uh, my, my chances were over so Oh, it sucks. That is, that is a microcosm of bow hunting right there. It, it really is. That's every bow hunter that's listening to the story. He's like, oh, yeah, I got I got one of those. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, the only other one I, I had that didn't make the cut, uh, I think I, so I hunted him in 18, and I had, it was a mule deer, big 4x4, four four, general season unit. Had him four or five times within 60 yards and never got a shot off oh wow (laughs) for whatever whatever reason bad angles whatever so dude yeah 60 70 that's a long shot with a bow i so i've been doing a lot of uh 3d archery shoots lately i'm going to go on a tangent here um i've been doing a lot of these 3d archery shoots lately and you know i'm shooting yeah 50 to 70 yards at these at these targets and it's amazing like yeah you can hit the target but is it going to be a kill shot and what what are you going to be doing are you just going to be wounding these these animals or you know like it that's a long shot so i I know for myself i've got to start practicing these uh these longer shots and and be more comfortable with them at least you know out to 60 yards yeah i i shoot one set of 20 at the beginning of the year to make sure i'm I'm on at 20, and then I never shoot closer than 40. Yeah, the rest of the year. <laughs> that's what I, I like watching Cam Haynes because that's you know he'll shoot those 100 plus yard shots, but he'll make the comment that I'm not you know I'm not shooting an animal at that. But if I'm comfortable in my backyard shooting 120 yards, well when that 60 yard shot comes, it's going to be nothing. You know, it's going to be like oh yeah, this is easy. He's close to me. I'm going to knock him down. So, yeah, my head. Like I say, he was 60 or closer for four times or five wow. times. I can't remember. The one time, if he'd have followed his little buddy, they would have passed me at, at 16 yards. His, his little buddy walked past me at 16, and that big buck turned and took a different trail and didn't follow his little buddy. Jeez. <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh gosh, it is. That's hunting, really, in general. And like I said, I'm sure everybody that's listening to this podcast is like, "Yep, I've I've had these experiences." And and guys, we'd love to hear them. So please reach out to us on social media. You can leave a comment on the uh, the podcast platform that you're listening on. We'd love to hear your guys' stories. Um, and if you'd be interested in jumping on and telling us your story, we'd love to have you guys jump on and and tell some of your stories on this podcast. So we're going to make this one a little bit shorter than we've done in the past, the past few one few weeks. Um, we're going to probably stop right about here and we're only about 40 minutes in. Seth, that's like a world record for you and I. It was a quick, it was a quick one. <laughs> Man, Seth's really long winded guys. I apologize. Yeah, he gets just talking. I can, I can tell stories for hours. <laughs> uh, no, I hope you guys are in bag over here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think people are enjoying it. At least from what I've heard, people are, are enjoying these and I hope you guys can kind of relate with some of these stories and they they're entertaining and uh, relatable and um, if you guys have any other experiences or stories or questions that you guys have that you want us to cover in the podcast uh, let us know we'd love to cover it and uh, share our stories our information and be that ultimate resource for you guys so before we stop um want to send another shout out to, to vortex we want to thank them for everything that they do go check them out vortexoptics.com uh, amazing stuff guys I really I mean they have something for everybody so um, and and all the everything that they have is good quality stuff and it's backed by that VIP warranty so if you guys have any questions about vortex let us know we can get you in touch with the, the right people if we can't answer your questions um, we're kind of becoming gurus of, of vortex so we're able to answer a lot of the questions as well but all right guys well don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and uh, share it with friends and uh, that's all I got Seth anything else from you Nope, I'm good. See you guys. Cool. Thanks. See you guys.